Welcome back to another episode of The Underscore, where we typically talk about martial arts things, but uh, this episode's going to be a little bit different. We're going to be talking about a little bit more politics, the whole intermakings of politicking. Oh, my cat just decided to rub up against the microphone. Thank you very much, Coco. That was uh, very kind of you. I'm going to throw you on the ground over there, and you can go do whatever it is that you do. So... Still not sure what she does for a living. Just kind of exists, poops in a box, and lives her life, to be completely honest. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about the whole Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Uh, <laughs> going in hard, pretty much. First minute, not even. First minute, and it's uh, going to go a little bit... Not so much so off the rails, but uh, it, this episode really is just a enlighten people a little bit more on how things are done in Israel and how things are really perceived overall. Um, you know, in the past few weeks, there's been a huge conflict and now still, like, there's it's, it's going on further. I think, uh, let me pull up the news real quick so I can see what I'm looking at. Well, not the news, I'm not really reading the news. I'm letting you guys know from my experience and all of that jazz and how it, uh, how things seem to have been from when I was last there. I mean, this can change dramatically as time moves on. Um, so, yeah. You know. um, so, just today, uh, just so you guys are aware of the timing, uh, Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu met with U.S. Senator Lindsey Graham in Jerusalem today. So, that is the most up to date thing that has happened. And I think that was sometime this morning. So it's this podcast is going to be completely uncut. It's going to be my raw um, verbiage. I guess that's a real word. Um, so give you a little bit of a background of who I am and where I come from and, and why, I, why I think I have the ability to speak on this a little bit more so than the people that are protesting. Um, because in New York, in California, there's been a lot of conflict, uh, especially just for the simple fact of having a Palestinian flag or having a Jewish flag or anything of these of these sorts. Um, a lot of them have been uh, resulting into a lot of violence. And I think it's, uh, to be quite frank, I think it's very inappropriate. Um, you know, I'm, it, it, I'm, I'm a martial artist. You know, this is a martial arts channel, typically. Um, I mean, I, do have that disclaimer of like I might talk about whatever it is that I want with whatever guests I have coming up but um here's the deal if you are attacking a person based off of uh, belief systems uh, it's a uh, kind of a kind of a crappy thing to do uh, especially when they oppose propose no threat or, or any damage towards you whatsoever so that's kind of a bad thing so let's let's just agree there uh, when it comes to Israel and Gaza and this whole Palestinian thing, so, oh, yeah, uh, history on me. Uh, let's do that first. So I am a 28-year-old uh, male who used to serve in the Israeli Defense Force. My unit was Golani. I was combat infantry, um, I believe, during the last few months of my service. Well, not, not, not of my service, of uh, my basic training, I essentially broke my feet and ended up having to go into uh, an entirely different division. I was combat, I was in a, uh, Unit 51, 
uh, Brigade Golani, and I moved over to Gutsar, and I was in the mechanical division there, but I wasn't an actual mechanic because I had more than enough military, uh, more than enough uh, combat training that I was, uh, I think it was an 03 in combat level or something like that, or an 04, maybe an 05, I don't remember. It was. It's a long time ago now. It was 2014 to 2016. Now... Being in the Special Forces, which is what Gadsar was, um, being in the Special Forces, you get, you're, you're privy to a lot more information and a lot more of what's actually happening on the ground. Um, but I can tell you how Israeli soldiers were trained. You know, the eight months that I was there um, for just general combat training and all of that stuff. And, and mind you, as, as time goes on with your combat training... And not, not necessarily with your combat training. As time goes on with your uh, special forces training, as things get more specialized, you're really learning more of, like, how to do th certain things the most effective with the least amount of issues. So, one thing that I've always remembered when I was in the Israeli military was of absolutely how incredible that the IDF was um, to say that you should shoot people. If you are going to shoot people and you are in the situation, that you should shoot and aim towards the legs, unless it's an absolute uh, warfare. And this include going in and arresting people and all this stuff. This, is, this, is, this was like your day-to-day -day inter interactions. Like if you had, absolutely had to shoot your gun, um, shoot towards their feet or the ground or their legs at the very best. Um, the assumption there was that you can treat a, uh, a wound on a limb much easier than you could on the stomach or the abdomen. And that's true. I mean, you can cut the blood flow to any leg pretty, pretty easily. I mean, we, the IDF soldiers, they all carry all of the uh, the appropriate medical equipment to be able to stop blood wounds. So if they were doing an arrest on an individual and they had to shoot at them for whatever reason, um, many reasons can happen. I mean, it's it's warfare. I mean, it's essentially warfare. They would be able to neutralize them and then be able to immediately render aid. And that was something that I've always found absolutely amazing. I, I don't. I don't think any other military on the planet. I mean, I could be completely mistaken. I've only served in one military, but I'm relatively familiar with the IDF and how other, um, the U.S. military, for example, operates. And I don't think the U.S. military uh, has that same of training, considering how just now recently it's been expanded in the time frame of doing general basic trainings for, for infantrymen. I think it. I think it went from six months to eight months. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but um, so that's just one thing that I really found amazing. And and other things that I found amazing is we would have meetings, like weekly meetings, on how to not really be the aggressor and how to appropriately detain an individual. How to like, how to like ensure that they're okay and also respecting their religion, which. Which really goes to show you how sympathetically kind Israel is to this whole situation. I mean, you have to remember, Israel is a, Israel is a country that has great military power. And they choose to be incredibly kind.
because um, you've like you, we've seen what they can do in just six days when it comes to actually trying to attack. I mean, they they essentially dismantled what was it like several other countries in the vicinity, and just removed them from from the equation of wanting to attack. And ever since then, they haven't really been able to perform any types of uh, conflicts. I mean, that's a that's a oh, I got a, I got a yawn coming on. Uh, that's a pretty big um, that's a pretty big statement for a small country that's essentially the size of New Jersey, if not smaller, you know, considering how. The, 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 I wouldn't want to say occupation of the West Bank, but uh, it's more of a, it's more of the, the, the Palestinians that want to live there and them trying to, like, it, like in all honesty, it's really ridiculous that, that eight miles wide, eight miles wide is what the Palestinians, you know, I really... Is what the uh, is what Palestinians that or people that claim that they're Palestinians in Israel say that Israelis should live on an eight mile land strip to have to be bordered to both Hezbollah and also Hamas, which is north. Uh, sorry, Hezbollah is north in um, Lebanon, and then you have Hamas, which is in Gaza, which both are terrorist organizations, by the way. I mean. It's kind of important to say. I mean, the ridiculous argument of saying that it's a colonial state, that Israel is a colonial state, and that it's a state that's going to, like, oppress individuals because of something, I, don't, I really don't know, is just absolutely amazing to me. I mean, whether you want to go down the rabbit hole of, like, oh, the... That's interesting. Just get a notification. Um, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, I think it's absolutely interesting um, that this is something that's even happening. And I was talking about, okay, here we go. I think it's, I think it's absolutely amazing that, that we're talking about a country that could potentially have um, oppressive tendencies. I think that's absolutely amazing. I, like, I, I genuinely could not possibly believe that Israel, the country that was pushed back into existence, into full respect and understanding from the global scale, happened mostly because of Germany. I mean, I mean, what was it, like six million Jews with an additional however many of other individuals, but specifically prosecuting Jews in Germany and across the world, essentially? I mean, this is, it, it, it's absolutely, f like, amazing that people genuinely think that Israel, a country that was born from sorrow and pity, would turn and become so violently disturbed. Like, it's not something that happens. I, I mean, I mean, yes, in, like, families where you have an individual who goes through a traumatic upbringing and they sometimes uh, become the bully. Like, I get that. Like, I get that point of view. But I don't think that's the case in Israel. Like, it's, it's, like, it's simply not. Like, for example, Gaza's... Uh, what is it? It's the... Um, Gaza's infrastructure 
is supported by Israel from from the last time that I checked. And and again, I could be completely wrong. Egypt could turn around and actually start helping Gaza for once. I mean, that could be a thing. Um, But last I checked, uh, the main main power source that is provided to Gaza comes from Israel. Uh, I mean, again, this is this is this is absolutely amazing. Israel provides the infrastructure to Gaza. And Gaza, in response, throws rockets at them. Now, I understand where the escalation comes from if we want to take it back a little bit more and we want to look at what's actually happening and saying, like, oh, um, well, Israel is being a bully and they're going in and arresting people and, 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 like, ransacking houses. I agree. That's less than ideal. I mean, no one wants to be in their house enjoying life and then all of a sudden they have a bunch of men with guns and and possibly a personnel carrier on the outside that's armored up and maybe a some sort of uh, some sort of man poached on with a gun on top of it. I mean, yeah, that's terrifying. I I agree. I 100% agree. That's not something anyone wants to wake up to. But you have to understand one major thing. The people in Gaza have chosen to elect Hamas as their leadership, their political leadership. And the problem with that is they have yet to retaliate against Hamas. It's one thing if you elect, let's put it towards these current elections. It's one thing if you elect the individual and then the individual for the United States that is elected is not something that you like at all. And it's another thing that you elect that individual and then you expect that the actions that this individual does is not at all related to what you're either voted for, didn't vote for, or lost in the vote. As a country, as, as a whole, Right? This is what happened all last year. Everyone was, everyone was talking about this. Let's keep that same mentality. If Donald Trump says something absolutely terrible, then that should be applied to the entirety of the country. Right? If everyone was up in arms about what Donald Trump had to say, people spoke with their vote, apparently. So where is the same respect for when it comes to an actual terrorist organization, Hamas, when it comes to Gaza? I mean, oh, like, I understand that we should pity them, but at some point we have to take responsibility for our actions. If you elect a terrorist organization and you refuse to do anything about it, the people are at fault. So this is a big thing that is constantly never talked about, and I, and I honestly don't know why it's not talked about. I mean, this, this, is, this alone, this alone should make Gaza the lesser or the aggressor almost instantly. Like, I understand they don't have a whole bunch of um, means to be able to oppress the Israelis. But again, if we look at the entirety of the situation and we look at what's been happening in this specific escalation, and we can go back into others, and I think we will because we have time. You know, this is a podcast, right? We're only 15 minutes in and we have enough time to be able to go and into this a little bit deeper. Again, I may be wrong on some things past this this instance, um, all the way up until like 2016. I, I, I can be wrong, but we're gonna talk about that in, in my time in service as well, because when I was there, a very similar situation happened, but from what I remember 
the situation happened completely different. But that's I'm I'm I'm, I'm derailing. So if we look back, we have before the rockets happened and before the arrests happened. If we look back just a little bit more, we start seeing a whole bunch of, um, I guess, pro-Palestinians or Arabs in the area that were attacking Jewish people, pushing them over their bikes and throwing them down. There was a bunch of stabbings that was happening prior. There was uh, rocks being thrown. Uh, stabbing is an assault. Rocks, those are, that, that's assault. Uh, that's, that's prison time in, in pretty much every single country on the planet. So when you assault someone, good 9 out of 10, the police are going to try and find you and put you in jail so that you can serve time and in Israel specifically rehabilitate you so that you don't do those things in the future. You know, I mean, Israel's one of the greatest... Like, if you were a Palestinian in Israel, I mean, probably one of the best things that you could do is go to prison because they'll give you a four-year degree and, and rehabilitate you to integrate back into the society. And, hell, they'll even give you business loans in some cases. So, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. But... But going on... You have, but going on, you have other situations where, where you have, I mean, you don't, I, I, there could have been other things prior. There could have been other things. There could have been um, uh, Jewish teenagers aggravating, but um, I don't, I don't believe that to be the case. I, I, I really don't. Uh, when I was in Israel in, in high school, I was, uh, I was targeted for an attack. Uh, I managed to get away because at the time I was really, really into parkour and I wanted to run around anyway. So I was like, whatever, I'll just use my parkour and leave. <laughs> uh, this was like in two, oh man, this was a long time ago, like before 2010, I want to say. I, I don't remember, but it was a high school time. So I don't know. I'm 28 now. You can figure out the math. I think it was a freshman there or maybe a sophomore. I don't remember. Um, so I'm on the bus going home I don't remember where I was going I think I was just going to the um, to the wall to the western wall or the whaling wall or the or the quotes whatever it's called um, I'm not in particularly extremely fanatically religious <laughs> in case you haven't noticed but uh, I'm going to the wall and I noticed that there's like these three Arab boys and I'm like, okay, no, that's a little weird. I don't know why they're giving me these, like, heavy eye signs or whatever. Like, they're just looking at me and staring at me. And I'm like, okay, well, that's a little weird. But whatever, no big deal. And um, I think he had a blue and red shirt with, like, one of those collars, like a polo or something. I don't remember what the other two had. But um, I get off the bus and I start walking. And I start walking for, like, a few blocks in Jerusalem, which can which can feel like a very long time, especially if someone's trailing behind you. And I start going into, like, more darker and more dead-end areas because I had no... I was very familiar with the area because I would walk there all of the time. Um, and this was, like, one of those first first instances. Um, and this guy, he's, he's following me. And I'm like, okay, that's a little weird. And um, there's three of them. There's one of me. And he's still following me for quite some time. And I look behind him, and he pulls out a knife. And I'm like, oh, it's this situation. That's not ideal. 
So I decided to run away as fast as I possibly can. I ran to the bus station because the bus station has uh, police officers there. I mean, as soon as I got there, I mean, he was, I was long gone. Like, but I wasn't doing anything. I was just on the bus going back home. Um, and I had to reroute my, my, my travel because of this individual. So, uh, and then he pulled out a knife. So I guess it was a smart idea to be able to run away from that situation. I mean, I, this was also a very long time, a very long time ago, but it's, uh, like these situations happen. Like you can, you, you're literally just existing. Like that, this is the thing that people don't seem to understand. Jewish people for the longest time, for whatever reason, just exist and get persecuted. Now, we could talk about how that's a, how that's a, a spiritual journey or, or, or whatever or whatnot, and how that could be a, a, a response because of whatever, in some sort of galactic spiritual world or whatever. And, and that could be true. I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not one of those individuals to, to genuinely think that that is the case. But um, it, it happens. When you're in Israel, a lot of the time, you're just a target for no real reason other than the fact that you wear a little keep on your head and you have string coming down the sides of your legs. Like, that's it. Just because you're different. And, 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 to, and to equate this and to, to put the most comparison, I'm also a black individual. I'm black and Hispanic. So, and, and this bridgeway that I'm making, this connection that I'm trying to say, is it, it's, it's a lot more aggressive than being a supposed quote-unquote uh, black man in America. It's significantly more aggressive. Black men or black individuals in the United States, some could feel serious oppression, but I guarantee you it is nowhere near the same as what it is like in Israel. I, there is no reason. I, I, here's another story. A family in Itamar, right? A family in Itamar that I had managed to meet, I don't remember their name, but it was, it, if you look up the Itamar massacre in Israel, you'll be able to find it quite simply. I met that family, it, not, not, not like on a first name basis where I got to go over every, every Shabbat, or, or which, a, which is a, a Shabbat is a, um, basically a Saturday where, where Jewish people tend to relax, um, have family time, and, and sometimes it, goes, it meets uh, with friends and, and be thankful that for the existence of like everything that they have uh, and, and really just in, appreciate a rest day. Like really, because throughout there's seven days in the week, and the seventh day is supposed to be a rest day because well, God said so, and and it's absolutely amazing. Um, <laughs> well, I just think I think it's amazing that all of this happens. Um, but here, here we are. Um, we have we met this family. Well, my mother and I met this family, and it was in passing, but I got to meet them. And then a week later. I found out that they were all brutally murdered, just, just for being Jewish. And it, 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 I guarantee you, just look it up. You can pause the podcast if you want. You can go look it up. It, it's something to understand. They were doing nothing. They were doing absolutely nothing. They, like, it was one of the worst things that could have ever possibly have happened to that family. And I think there was only one survivor. And, and, and it was on purpose that there was one survivor. Or I think it was on purpose. And it was just what happened, like, the brutality of this family, like, they were murdered and I think raped to death by Palestinians. And it's like, where's the outrage? 
Like, where, like, this is the biggest issue that everyone has is where is the outrage when this happens to everyone else? But if Israel goes in and arrests one person for murder, all of a sudden it's like, oh, Israel's the oppressor. It's like, where is your, how is this big brain IQ? Like, where did you go? Like, for years, everyone can be like, Donald Trump is uh, the worst president on the planet because of whatever. But it's like, what, what, what's happening here? You hear one thing, and all of a sudden, you know everything that's about it. And, and I think that's, that's um, I think it could just be the youth of everyone. You know, it could just be, you know, when everyone's a young kid, they all believe that it's like they know everything. That could be it. That could be it. But um, there is no outrage. You know, it's absolutely ridiculous. And that's that, that's like the that's one family in the family of Itamar. Like the, I'll never forget that. Like it's the it's the worst. It's the it's terrible. It's terrible. I mean, heck, there are so many people. I don't think I've ever met anyone in Israel that was born and raised in Israel that didn't have some sort of horror story. Like it's it's absolutely ridiculous. But but I'm gonna get to um. I want to get to the war that I was in, or, or um, of a, well, it's not really, well, it was a war, I mean, I have a metal, um, Operation Protective Edge, or Tsuketan. Um, you know, that, that one was, uh, it was 2014 to 2016 was the exact time that I was there, and that just so happened to be the Operation Protective Edge. You know, that, that, that whole situation, God, that whole situation was absolutely terrible. Um... So as soon as I get into the IDF, I'm going into a um, into a special program where they have you essentially accelerated learning for Hebrew. Um, but everyone that was a Hebrew instructor also spoke English so that we can get our points across. And uh, in case anything important happened, people would speak to you in English um, or whatever language you had, because there was a bunch of different languages. There was Russian, uh, French, there was uh, Spanish. Uh, there, there, a whole bunch of different languages. Uh, I think it was a Japanese. Uh, I think I, rem- I think I remember that guy. Yeah, so I think it was in. The, I think it was the first Japanese soldier. Uh, very interesting. Very cool guy. Very funny. Um, again, he might be totally different now, but whatever. Um, and I remember how the story started unfolding because. I had, I had friends prior that also spoke English, and they were telling me about the news, and I remember hearing the news. Uh, and my Hebrew was good enough that I had conversational Hebrew down. Um, but I remember that um, Israel immediately got into panic mode, like the whole nation, because we had lost um, three teenage boys. Um, we were like, oh, crap. We lost, our, we lost these three boys. We don't know where they are. It was probably about a week or two. So yeah, it was probably like a week or two um, where they were just looking and no one could find them. We had no idea what was going on. Everyone was concerned. Um, we, I think the, the media was like trying to hope that it was they were probably just you know going out in the desert and got stuck there or something. Um, and it was like it was perfectly fine and they were just okay, but they were just lost. Um, and then and then Hamas starts start saying some stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, that's a little bit weird. Why is Hamas speaking on these three boys? Again, the political organization that was formerly a terrorist organization that runs Gaza. Keep that in mind. 
um, Hamas starts speaking. And it's like, okay, that's a little weird. But then Hezbollah also started speaking, and then Daesh also started speaking. Those of you who don't know Daesh is uh, ISIS, but in their proper term. Um, and then you have like other 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 organizations that were also trying to speak and say try to claim try to claim stuff. So the Israeli military gets a little bit concerned and they activate the border patrol to investigate a little bit more. So some time goes by and they find the three boys. They find them in a ditch, um, and just upon immediate surveillance, it very much seemed like they were beaten to death. Um, their their body their bodies were completely mangled. It was this is this is a like this is something that happens. This is something that genuinely happens in Israel. Their bodies were beaten to death, and it was not pretty. Um, so they bring them back. The uh, family mourns, and then we find the autopsy, and they 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 look deeper into into the um, into the into the death of these three teenagers. And it's a lot worse. I mean, they, 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 were, they were raped, they were beaten, they were like, tortured, essentially, for possibly days. Um, I, I, think, I think one of the reports said that, it, that they were tortured for at least three days or more. I, I, I don't remember. This was in 2014 or 15 or so. Um, it was not... It was not a pretty situation, and it was a long time ago. This is like we're in twenty twenty one right now, and uh, we're almost halfway through. So, like, forgive me if I'm missing some of the things, but I, I do remember it being unbelievably dramatic, um, and, and I remember it being unbelievable, hor- unbelievably horrible. The family mourned, and well, what Israel did was the appropriate thing. They said that they were going to find the people that did this and arrest them and kill them because. There's no alternative to that. I mean, you, you, there's no alternative to that. So, information comes out and media does what media does. They decide to be like, okay, well, before we pull the trigger on this, what if we can find some sort of evidence saying that maybe the boy's aggravated? Again, this is after you find out that these boys were raped to death and beaten and tortured. Israel still goes and says, wait a minute. We don't want to start a conflict. Maybe, just maybe, we're in the wrong here. What nation does that? What nation is so so cautious of hurting the enemy that they're willing to assume that they are the vic- that they are the ones persecuting? What nation does that? What nation goes well beyond out of their way when the evidence is overwhelming to be like, hey, before we do this, let's make sure we're correct. The United States has bombed less, more countries for significantly less. England has conquered the entire world for giggles, essentially. China's buying it up and putting it over on uh, interesting labor camps. Yet we're worried about Israel. I mean, are you serious? <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a level of double standards that I will never understand. So Israel says possibly 
possibly these boys aggravated this individual? What were they doing beforehand? So they discovered that they were in a cab and that the person that they were in the cab with was the ultimately their uh, transporter to death or uh, individual that um, or the individual that uh, ended up killing them. I don't remember which one which one was which because at that point I didn't care. I didn't care about the story. I didn't care about anything else um, because for me, if you find three people dead in a ditch, um, raped to death and beaten and tortured, and then you have several, the closest organization, which is Hamas, claiming that they have done this, to me, you don't need much more evidence. Just, I'm all, I'm all gun-ho. And that's pretty much the sentiment across the board. But the government there, the, the leadership there was Benjamin Netanyahu, and I, and I don't love the guy, but there might be something to his methods where he refuses to continue pushing. And that's very interesting. I mean, I could be completely wrong, but that is, that is very interesting. So Israel, the country, is like, maybe, maybe there's something wrong. Maybe, maybe, maybe they aggravated him. Maybe they upset him to the point where it was justifiable that, that they would get raped and murdered. I mean, sure, okay. <laughs> maybe that was the case. It turns out there was uh, some sort of footage or an audio recording because they had managed to call someone and Israel managed to pull up the file because much like the NSA, they record all your phone calls and in situations like this, it actually happens to be very beneficial, which, you know, to each their own with those opinions. Um, so Israel pulls up with the file and the file is played, the audio file is played on uh, national news. There was no indication. In fact, for whatever reason, the individual who was driving the cab managed to be more upset and wanted to know more about them. And that guy was just a terrible individual. And I think I remember hearing, I, I think I remember the, the boys saying, hey, you could just leave us off here and then we'll go walking from there. I mean, this is also another thing. Like you could, you could be asking for, like this is something that I remember being told uh, repeatedly in Israel is don't just get into a cab on on uh, on, on the freeways because you'll be kidnapped and killed. Like I used to live in Ariel, which is uh, in the West Bank. I mean, for for Palestinians to to do the things that they do, it's absolutely insane that they exist, and, and I mean that in full in full honesty. Um, when you're a Jewish child, and you manage to request a lot, a ride because there's in Israel it's very it's very it's like a, like Israelis will give almost any Israeli another ri a ride to anywhere in the country. Uh, I mean, you essentially could just be like standing on the side of the road and be like, "Hey, uh, do the little thumb thing," and or the I don't remember if it's a thumb or the finger. It's I don't I don't know. It's one of those two. Um, and someone will pull over and be like, "Hey, where are you going?" And you'd be like, "Oh, I'm going this way," and they will pick you up and drive you. I mean, it's unheard of in the United States, but they will pick you up and drive you. Like, that was one of the, that was one thing that I 100% remember. But another thing that I remember is, if you said that you were to travel that way, to be sure that you at least knew the person who was going to go in with you, because there had been so many new Palestinians that they would just come in, 
pick some random uh, Jewish person up who is obviously Jewish, and then murder them. Or even, or even worse, they would dress up like a Haredi, which is a ultra orthodox Jewish individual who has long uh, sideburns and they have the much larger um, yarmulke or kippah on their head, and they dress typically black and white, and their tzitzit are exposed, which are the strings that are attached to their uh, to the uh, that are on their legs. Um, which almost always is an indicator of a person who is never going to hurt you ever in their life. I mean, if, if you see this individual, you can challenge their ideas, but they will almost never, ever desire to harm you ever. You can almost guarantee that this person, this type of person, will do whatever it is that they can to ensure that you are okay. Heck, if you're, if you're a person who is genuine about having shelter and genuine about being a better person, good Good 10 out of 10. You can go even to New York and they will help you become a better individual with what little money they typically have because they're not very, uh, uh, they're not very wealthy. But they're a community and they're all about helping each other. That's, that's one thing that, that's greatly appreciated about Haredim and more, the more ultra-religious. Um, so you have uh, Palestinians that would dress up in this manner and they would essentially lure you in with a false sense of confidence and murder you. Now, now, where does all of this murder come from? Like, why is it like this? I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a big conversation, and we have time to talk about it. So we'll probably talk about it more towards the end. But um, this whole thing, like, where did, like, this whole, this whole, like, anger... Right, this whole anger, it it comes from. I really don't want to like even now, even now, me right now. I'm saying I don't want to. I'm. I was about to say I don't want to insult these people who are very clearly insult worthy, but at the same time, I don't want to because here's the thing. I know that not every Palestinian is not is not stupid. I know every Palestinian that's over there or every Arab is uh, Muslim that's living in Israel right now are not bad people. I know that they're good people. Hell, my commander who was uh, Muslim, he was a fantastic individual. I would have followed that dude into any battle. I had another one who was um, who was also Muslim who in the mechanical division who I. Could not imagine my life without him. Like, he was an, a crucial point to be a part of my life. He was a fantastic individual. The amount of times that him and I just had so much fun just existing. These people made, a lot of these people genuinely made my experience in the military that much better. But it's hard to say because everyone in Israel is so integrated. I mean, you have, especially in border patrol, I mean, you have, you have Palestinians or essentially Muslims that are, or Arabs really, that are, that are working with Israel to stop Hamas. Because Hamas is a terrorist organization. Yet the people that are in Gaza right now either can't get out of this vicious cycle of propaganda or need the money because Hamas will pay you to die for them. And, and, and it's not even that they'll pay you. It's they'll pay your family. And they're, and they're, and they're, always, they're always true on their word. They pay their families. If you commit an act of terrorism, if you run into Israel with a, with a suicide vest, 
Heck, man, your family's set for life. And that sounds like a really great offer, especially when you're in a poverty nation that refuses to put infrastructure in itself and that refuses to have a, ter uh, have a tourist, uh, tourist attraction. I mean, Gaza, it's on the Mediterranean Sea. Yet not once has anyone ever thought about opening up a, uh, a tourist attraction there. It borders Egypt. You can see the greatest wonders of the world. Yet somehow, Gaza is one of the poorest nations. And Israel's providing the, all of the infrastructure to Gaza. Why? How? How is that possible? How is it possible that Gaza is so weak as a nation? I can tell you how. It's because they have a terrorist organization running it. It would be no different if you had the, 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 the Antifa or the Proud Boys running the government, whether you swing one way or the other. They're not, they're, they're, they're not out there for the betterment of the country. For example, Proud Boys, right? I am not a Proud Boy. I don't care for the Proud Boy movement. I like the Proud Boy movement because they're about patriotism and they're about um, drinking. But I wouldn't, I would never, I would never want them to be a political party. That's just ridiculous. Or, or even better, it would be it would be more accurately as having, um, not to say that they're comparable, but it would be like having Hell's Angels or the One Percenters, for those of you who are familiar with motorcycles clubs, motorcycle clubs. It would be equivalent as having the One Percenters or Hell's Angels or, or some sort of MC running the country. It makes no sense. Why would you do it? Or, or for those of you who are on the right, looking to the left, it would be the equivalent of having uh, Antifa running the, um, running, running the country. Or, or, or Black Lives Matter, which arguably you could say that is happening currently, but that's besides the point. I mean, it's an entirely different subject. You know, you can have these, or critical race theory. Or, or, or critical theory, more accurately. Um, because it's critical theory about everything. Critical gender theory, critical uh, whatever. Whatever critical ridiculousness study of uh, the LGBTQA movement. I mean, to each their own, but I mean, c relax, bro. <laughs> like, chill. Um, I mean, you have, you have a lot of things. I would be very surprised if this podcast just doesn't get nuked. <laughs> I would be very surprised. Um, yeah, I would not be very surprised if it just doesn't. If, it, if this podcast is just removed, because uh, I'm speaking, man, I'm, I'm saying things, and I, and I know a lot of people, I know a lot of people out there agree, I know a lot of people out there agree with this, that, that there's more to the story, and it's not so cut and dry, because you can't look at the situation, I mean, the Palestinian Arab conflict hasn't been going on thousands of years, by the way, it hasn't been going on thousands of years, I mean, hell, Iran and, and Israel used to be best of friends, Iran used to be not tyrannical, right, but what happened, I mean, if you really want to get into it, the United States pushed the living hell into, the United States, Europe, and China managed to radicalize the living hell out of the Middle Easterns. That's what it was. That, that's honestly what it is. It's because they have a lot of great resources and they managed to radicalize the living hell out of them. Because the Middle East it happens to be rich in all types of things. Diamonds, oil, rubies, uh, gold, uh, silver, copper, whatever you can possibly imagine, the Middle East has it. It's one of the richest mineral places on the planet. One of the rich, but not the richest. And it's... It, these major companies, uh, not companies, countries, have managed to abuse every single person in there that the only solution that they have is to be able to retaliate in means of violence. And they will never be able to uh, 
respond in a manner that is appropriate simply because they will never be able to create the funds because guess what happens when you start start uh, har- uh, uh, um, digging up your own materials uh, someone comes in and bombs and steals it because we live on a, we live in a planet where the victor where victory is held by strength where, where if you want to be on the top you've got to be able to steal you got to be able to take you got to be able to to, to, to essentially to lie cheat and steal your way to the top I mean Unfortunately, it's about power. It's not about who's doing what right, right? Why did it take the U.S. so long to get involved with the, to the with Germany? Uh, what's up with that? I mean, was Pearl Harbor was Pearl Harbor the one? Was that it? When when they attacked, when Japan attacked us, was that really it? Wasn't the millions of people being massacred? But then again, it's like, should America even do anything in the first place? These are big questions. Um, I think I'll talk about that in a later podcast. I mean, depending on how the, how the reviews go on this. Um, <laughs> if this podcast is even still up. But uh, no, what, the, the truth is... <sighs> the Arabs, however, however large, however many there are, there's like, what, several billion... There's several billion, but I don't think a lot of them care. I don't think a lot of them care, you know? I mean, I think that's just the truth. I mean, like, if you were to look at the Christians, right? If you were to look at the Christians and you were to, you were to say, like, oh, Christians take care of Christians. They don't. I mean, they, 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 they went down and crusaded a bunch of people, right? They crusaded people. If you eat either my God or, or or death, you know, and it's uh it's it's amazing to me. It's it's just amazing to me that somehow people just choose to forget history, and then they choose to act on the very little information that they have. It's just amazing to me. It's just amazing. Like how do you how does how does one act on such little information I mean I get it I wouldn't I would act on little information too but I would act on enough information where it's like I know I, I know enough to be okay to be wrong like I know enough to be okay to be wrong in this situation where it's like okay it's understandable that I was wrong but this whole situation in Gaza Hamas, the terrorist organization that mainstream media, for whatever reason, I mean, I can tell you the reason. It's, um, it's not that it's not profitable, it's just that someone else bought them. That's all. You know? Like, they're a company. Like, like as, as, as crazy as it is, they're, they're still just a company. You know? They have a bottom line. Their bottom line is to ensure that they make X, Y, and Z. And... If they make X, they need to make Y. And if they make Y, they need to make Z. And sometimes Z is money. Sometimes Z is uh, view counters. Or sometimes Z is uh, making sure that the boss is happy. Or whoever your donors are are happy. You know? Like Al Jazeera. (laughs) That's an interesting thing. 
how did how did <laughs> how did Al Jazeera become a legitimate news source? I mean, I've used them in the past, but like, how does Al Jazeera become a legitimate news source? It's not even a conspiracy. But I mean, look at that on your own. <laughs> Let's see. Talked about Gaza. Talked about my experience in the IDF. What else can we talk about here? I don't think Israel is the oppressor. You know, it's fa it's fair to assume so, especially like a lot of the Americans. So here's also another thing: a lot of Americans that go over to join the Israeli military and they are shocked by how warfare is conducted. Um, that's on you, buddy. <laughs> that's on you. That's not on Israel. Uh, I, I I do find it absolutely astonishing that there are so many um, teenagers that go into Israel. And then they experience uh, an arrest, like a typical arrest. And it's like, like, what did you expect? <laughs> like, it's not like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm arrested now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow the law. Like, no, th these people are not going to do that. No criminal, no criminal has ever done that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what was the last time you saw a criminal that was running away for some sort of serious crime... Uh, immediately just give up and be like, oh, well, I guess I'm caught. Can't do anything now. No, they will still fight. Hell, it's even prominent in movies. How is it that for some reason in the real world, in the real, real, real world, I don't know why those words are hard to say, real world, the world that is reality. There we go. How is it that in the world that is reality, we expect fairy tale things, but in the world that is fantasy, as in movies, it's totally normal that they would fight. Like, okay. Seems legit. <laughs> Whatever. I think I think a lot of the damage happens to do because of those know, Americans that come in when they hear something third party or second hand. Or even first hand, I guess. And it's like you have no idea what you're talking about, my guy. You have literally no idea what you're talking about. Like I know, um, I know, I know a few individuals um, personally that I'll never understand it. One of their brothers was in the um, Israeli military, a separate unit than mine, um, and his <laughs> the soldier's younger brother, who never left uh, to go into join the in, in the Israeli military, but got to live in Israel and lived amongst Arabs and all that jazz. Um, believes somehow that his brother was a part of an oppressive regime and I'm just like I don't I don't understand the mental gymnastics that one has to do to justify that statement but um it was not a repressive regime man like like in any point like in any point is Israel an oppressive regime you know here's another story from Israel one um this was this was also during my time in Israel, where we had one soldier draw his gun, not load it. I don't think he loaded it. Uh, he drew his gun and aimed it. He had he had trigger discipline and all. Uh, he drew his gun and aimed it at an individual and then immediately put it down. Um, this whole situation was caught on camera. Uh, 
And he is serving, right now, life in prison for that. An, an Israeli soldier drew his gun on a Palestinian because the Palestinian was being aggressive. He didn't have a weapon on him, but he was being aggressive, and I think he was trying to throw rocks at him, which I mean, technically counts as a, uh, as a weapon, but whatever. Um, he drew his weapon on him, and then immediately put it down, and for that, he's spending life in prison. That sounds a whole lot like a regime of, of, uh, of uh, oppressiveness and, and a colonial situation where no one is cared for at all. And it's like, just shut the hell up. <laughs> just, just, man, just shut up. It, it, it just baffles me. It just baffles me. What, does Israel only do this just, so, just enough so that, it, so that certain people can be uh, convinced that it's not good? No, man. No. <laughs> That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. No, Israel is probably one of the most genuine countries out there. Are there corrupt politicians that do shitty things? Fuck yes. Heck yeah. Do I like Benjamin Netanyahu? A lot less than when I first knew about him. But I would never say, I would never say that Israel is oppressive. That's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. There's way too many laws against even owning a weapon. There's way too many laws against pretty much everything. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like, I understand the sentiment. I understand. I mean, they're, they're a powerful nation. They have the ability to, to essentially take out anyone. But to, to, to assume that, they will, that Israel would waste its time and resources on attacking Gaza? For what? For what? We gave them that land. That's also another thing. We gave them that land. What, what is this? What, what is this about? What about Egypt? What about Egypt? What, what about that, the, 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 the little chunk of land that Egypt has that when we were doing, I think it was a six-day war, uh, we took over, right? What about that chunk of land right there like that's south of, uh, south of Israel? Why doesn't Egypt give that land to Gaza? So they can expand, expand that way, build more in, in, um, uh, infrastructure over there, have a bigger industry. Why don't they build a Dubai right there? Huh? What's up with that? Do they need the British to do everything for them? Seems so. Listen, man. Listen, ladies and gentlemen. The Palestinian-Israeli conflict is relatively new. It hasn't really been going on for thousands of years. That's a lie that, for some reason, people want to say. There has been conflicts in Israel for thousands of years, but it has not been for thousands of years. Well, I guess... Well, I guess that's a lie. I think that's a lie. I'm pretty sure that's a lie. Because in the year 1000, the church... I think the Vatican did dispatch its military to take back Jerusalem from the Muslims. So I think I think that's a lie. Because the Muslims were, or the, the, whatever, the Muslims, Palestinians, whatever you want to call them, they, um, they have been uh, trying to steal the Temple Mount for the longest time, and for reasons that I could not possibly understand. So I have the internet. I'm going to learn, I'm going to search on the internet. What is important about Israel to Islam? 
Why the city of Jerusalem is important in Islam. Just gonna click on that first link. All right, learning religions. All right, give me a second. I'm just gonna read some of this real quick. Find, I'm, 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 I'm trying to find the uh, scripture specifically. I think it's also really interesting the, the whole concept of Islam in the first place. Because yeah, Islam was created in the year 700 of after the death of Christ, which is literally 700 years after the death of Christ. Um, for Jew okay, so yeah, first Qibla. I don't know what that is. Uh, the first Qibla was the... So Jerusalem was the first Qibla. The place towards which they turn in prayer... It was many years into the Islamic mission, 16 months after Hijra, I don't know what that is, uh, that Muhammad was instructed to change the Qibla from Jerusalem to Mecca. Okay, so Jerusalem no longer has value to Muslims? I could be wrong, I'm just clicking, in the, just clicking on the first... Uh, uh, visited during his night journey. Okay, so it is Jerusalem that Muhammad had visited during his night journey um, and ascension. Um, so he dreamt that he went to Jerusalem? And one, in, in one evening, legend tells us that the angel Gabriel miraculously took the prophet from the sacred mosque in Mecca to the furthest, furthest mosque, Al-Qasa, in Jerusalem. Um, he was then taken to the heavens to be shown the signs of God after the prophet met with previous prophets and led them in prayer. So he... Oh, wait, there's more. He was then taken back to Mecca. The whole experience... The whole experience lasted a few hours. The... Is this it? Is this it? Is this what you're fighting for? Over Muhammad's dream? <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, meanwhile, you have literal cities, cities of gold even, being built in Jerusalem. I mean, heck, the, some of our old cities are still there. It has always been our land. The King, King David's palace is still there. It's been renovated a whole lot, but it's still there. Our western wall from our temple is still there. Our holy sites for our ancestors are still there. Yet people have the audacity to say that, oh, because Muhammad had a dream that he visited Israel, therefore he shall come. Therefore we shall take this land for ourselves. Bug off, man. Bug off. That's kind of ridiculous. So I mean, this is this is a again in the year seven hundred is where is where where Islam started. Right? This is also another important thing to understand about this whole religious thing. 
right? There's what, maybe 10 million Jews in the entire world? Several billion Muslims, several billion Christians? Right? And then you have... <laughs> and then you have... <laughs> like, this is, this is, this is going to turn into a little bit more about the religious aspect right now. But it's like, you have Judaism, which essentially believes that it's a monotheistic religion. And then you have Christianity, which believes in a follower of Judaism. Okay. And then you have Islam, which comes after Christianity, by the way, because Christianity was created a lot longer, uh, sometime after the destruction of the second temple that we have, uh, or sometime, in the, sometime around there, because the Romans were... Um, the Romans were occupying us at that time. Uh, or maybe it was the Greeks. I don't remember. Um, Israel's been through a lot. And we have uh, Christians, and we have Islam, which manages to just appear out of essentially nowhere. Um, and somehow they're the most popular religion. Um, which a lot of the a lot of the spread happened to literally be to be by force, which essentially seems how most of these religions, these major religions, seem to spread. Um, and for those of you who are curious as to what were Muslim or Muslims beforehand, um, well, I honestly think that they were just the seven. No they, they would just follow the seven laws of Noah. I honestly think that that's probably what they did, or at the very least, they probably were an offshoot of Judaism. Like that's why that's why that, that's why Jews refer to Muslims as their cousins. You know, like like that's why. It's because the fundamentals of the religion is to be essentially a Jew, but at the same time, it's like to worship Jews. It's super weird, but it's like. Uh, it's a sad it's a sad it's a sad situation that that Gaza is in. But um I guess it is what it is. Uh, I think on that note that's about an hour long of me rambling. Um Yeah, if you like these podcasts, you know, share it with a friend. Um it's really it's really just about having other sides being told cuz you hear you hear a whole lot from Gaza. You hear a whole lot. And, and, and you know, the sad part is, I know a lot of people that are like on the on the Palestinian pro side. They're going to be like, oh, well, why would we want to listen to a soldier's perspective or, or a soldier? I, I'm not some great soldier, right? I'm just some generic dude that got injured in, in Israel because I stepped on a couple rocks the wrong way. Like, I'm not some sort of fantastic individual, right? I was in the IDF. I wasn't anything special. Right? I had the ability to, but I never, I never really wanted to be anything special, you know. So, so when when me and I can and I'm surrounded by all these great warriors who have honor on the battlefield, you know, it's like that that matters more than someone who's never experienced these oppressors. <laughs> Freaking ridiculous. You know, uh, so I mean, I, I would, I would, I would hear what I have, what I have to say a lot more than what 
a person who heard from a person or a person's person because this is this is essentially me from my own experience from my own experience Israel is way too nice way too nice and sometimes I get angry because how nice Israel is but other times I understand I understand why Israel is so nice because if Israel responded the way any other country would respond Israel would probably be wiped off the face of the earth and that is a that is a harsh reality but um, but at the same time I think it's important that the Jewish people pay very very close attention to believing in God again I think I think I think if I was to end this podcast right now, I think the my final message really would be to genuinely believe that good always comes while taking risks that are worth it. And I think Hamas and I think Gaza needs to take a really big risk and say, Hey, Hamas, be gone. We want to do a different thing. Uh, you know, it doesn't even have to be that Gaza and Israel merge. They can, they like, they need, they need to stand up for themselves, not against Israel. They need to stand up against themselves, against Hamas. They need to, they need to end this propaganda that they have. I mean, I can guarantee you, no one listening to the to this podcast has heard this information before, unless you're aware of it. And Hamas. They have cartoons for little kids saying it, how great it is to murder Jews. They've retaken Disney and played a spin on it as to, oh, I murdered a Jew today. And it's like, no one seems to address that at all. So I, I, think, I think Hamas, I think Gaza really needs to, to, to reevaluate that situation. I think, I think they really do. I mean, if they have the ability to hear this podcast, I think they really need to be like, hey... We're not in the right here, right? The, 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 the government, this terrorist government, I mean, yeah, sure, maybe they'll kill you. Maybe they'll kill you. But what's worse, right? Like, in, in, in all honesty, I mean, I'm not saying, well, actually, no, I guess I am. I, I do think it is significantly better to die by the sword than to live the rest of your life on your knees. And right now, Gaza is on their knees to Hamas. And I think the best thing that they can do is to stand up and say enough. They don't want war. They want to live their life. They want to live lavishly. They want to enjoy things. And if they want to fight, and if they want to do violence, well, guess what? The UFC exists in Israel. You can still fight. You can still do become a great warrior. You can still do those things. You can still claim victory over hundreds of people. You just got to train. You can become a martial artist. If, if violence is truly in your blood, be a martial artist. Make good money. Feed your family. Be like Khabib Nurmagomedov, a fantastic Muslim individual. I mean, come on. Where's Khabib? You know, like I get that he's probably like, oh, on the on the Palestinian side. I think he made a tweet about it or something like that, or or, or Instagram post. I don't remember. And 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 I don't blame him. It's a, 
it's understandable. You know, he he doesn't he he doesn't he doesn't see it from our perspective. He has that media and all of that stuff, and, and that's fair. That's fair. You know, it's hard to it's hard to really really address this situation when you don't know both sides. And I think it's I think it's sad, but um. I think I think if Gaza really wants this, this this BS to end, the best thing that they could do, the best thing that they could really do, is say, "Hey, I'm not playing your game anymore," and and stop playing. I think that's what a lot of these countries should do. I think that's what a lot of people should do. Just be like, "Hey, I don't want to play this game anymore. I have a family. I have loved ones, and they're just trying to live their best lives." They're trying to do things. We're, we're all about exploring. We're about exploring the, the oceans, the, the Mars, the universe that we live in, understanding it on a bigger scale. We want to love the life that we live. And I don't, I don't think Hamas does. I think, I think Hamas is just a bunch of really mentally deranged individuals that are unfortunate. And, and, I, and I really do think that um, we could do better. I think Israel, I think Israel sees that, and because of that, they're so delicate. Uh, surprisingly, up until now, they're so delicate with Hamas. Because if it was the United States that Ham- that that if it was Ham- it was the if it was the United States versus Mexico, and Mexico was Gaza, Mexico would be wiped off the face of the earth overnight. Like they're, 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 there's literally no comparison. Mexico would be gone. If Mexico was Gaza and Israel was the United States, Mexico would be gone. So I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it there. Uh, That was the underscore. I think it's episode five. Getting a little bit more spicy. I'm going to be talking about more and more things for about an hour or so. Um, If you want to support the channel and you want to hear more things like this, become a member. Become a rank one member over at the underscore. uh, The underscore dot XYZ. Um, it's about $5 a month. I finally figured out how to do this thing. Uh, so it's about $5 a month. It goes directly to me. It helps me be able to create more podcasts and, uh, and eventually I'll have more things like an actual studio, a place to, a place to sit where I can have guests come over and, and really just enjoy conversations with other people. And, and you know, I would love, I would love, I think one of the, one of my original podcasts was a, was a, was a podcast of, uh, me talking about Islam with uh, another individual. And I think I mentioned the 700-year thing then, too. It was like one of my one or two podcasts, or one or two, I don't remember which one it was. But, uh, but yeah, no, I would love to have a civil conversation as best as I possibly can with anyone of any caliber, of any type of anything, especially when it comes to uh, interesting, controversial topics like this. Um, if you want to if you wanna help out the underscore grow in its podcast in any way, go ahead and... Well, I guess follow this however you do it. If you want to subscribe it on, I think it's on Spotify is that you subscribe or you follow. I don't remember what it is. We got, we're on Google and we're on, we're on iTunes. We're on a whole bunch of other things. But if you want to help me directly, um, go to the underscore dot XYZ. The underscore is all spelt out and dot xyz and then just go become a member rank one member. It's five dollars a month. Um, super cheap. Helps me out dramatically. It helps me be able to create more and more content like this. And if you guys like content like this, uh, let me know because I'll make more of it. I like I like I like talking about interesting, controversial things. I, I think it's uh, I think it's really important. I love martial arts, but I also like you know conversing about the world because it's important. 
you know, it's the world that we live in, and we only get it, we, as far as we know, we only have one life. So we might as well know everything that we can and make the best decisions to enjoy life to its fullest. So with that, I bid you a farewell. Uh, again, if you want to follow me at all, the underscore dot XYZ, I make posts explaining things that I'm going to be doing because I don't really like Facebook or Instagram all that much. So, yeah, that was um, an episode a little bit heavier than usual, but I think it was needed. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, no, hit me up on the uh, the underscore.xyz. Eventually, eventually, we will, whenever we have enough funds to be able to afford it, uh, I would like to have, uh, like, a YouTube, um, like, a YouTube stream so that people can, like, super chat and then we can read your chats and then have a conversation back and forth to all the uh, all the listeners out there because uh, there's quite a bit of you. So um, I appreciate you listening this long if you have. Uh, thank you. If you, Again, if you have uh, any questions, you can email the underscore solutions at gmail.com. Or if you have any other ideas to things that you want to talk to me about, you can also send me an email over there. And, um, yeah, other than that, become a Rank 1 member. The, it's $5 a month, super cheap. Uh, yeah, thank you very much, and uh, have a great one. Later, champs.